I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the It's All Cobbs to Me preview show. I'm Danny Brothers, and I'm here to look ahead to this weekend's trip to Oxford United. Joining me, making a quick return after an appearance on the preview show just before Christmas from Tamana Podcast is Jack Schumark. How are you doing, Jack? Yeah, not too bad. Happy New Year to yourself. And to you. I think it's still okay to say that, isn't it? We're still still in that kind of period where yeah, we can say that. I feel like January is still allowed and then you've got to kind of get on with it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not been long, as we were just saying before the recording. It's, it feels like yesterday when we played you in December. Um, 2-1 victory for the Cobblers at six fields. Pretty unexpected from our point of view, I think. Um, you'd not long appointed Des Buckingham as manager back then. Uh, Kieran Bowie giving us the lead with a header. You equalised with a penalty second half. By that point, I don't know how you felt. I can't remember whether you said you were coming or not or whether you were watching on iFollow or, or what, you, what you were doing. But when you scored that penalty, it felt like very much from your body language and from your players' body language and everything that you were going to go for it from that point. Did you think momentum was swinging your way at this at that point? Yeah, I think um, I think we expected that to be a bit of a catalyst to kick on and, and try and win the game. Um, but I think I, I mentioned in the preview of, of that game that it's very hard to tell, and it has been under both managers actually, which Oxford United is going to turn up and how much, um, even within games, do we see the good parts? How much do we see the frustrating parts? And how how, how much do we see the weaknesses? And I mm. think th- that game rather summed up our entire season that there was bits of all of those um, and not enough of the good bits. Mm. Yes, when... Um... Big Tyrese had his moment, his start of his renaissance really for us. His came off the bench, it made his way into the penalty area. We were just there thinking, you know, surely he's not going to, he's not going to. And then he gets on the end of that cross. I mean, how are you feeling? Is that just just a case of, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, let's then we'll just move on? Or like, how's how are we Oxford fans coming out of that game? Did it feel like a massive blow to you, or was it just one that you could just rub off and sort of start again? I think it was. It's quite a mixed reaction, to be honest. There was a little bit of um, verbals um, from a few fans, a couple of players who kind of went over, um, which seems to be the kind of reoccurring theme across the Football League now, as fans um, applaud or don't applaud players, more players seem to want to kind of uh, get involved, let's say. But then I think other people were just like, you know what, sometimes you're going to concede a late winner. Um, we've won plenty of games late this season ourselves and, you know, it's all swings and roundabouts in that sense. I think if you break it down to look at the goal itself, we were just infuriated because literally about two minutes before there'd been a very similar chance, Mm. uh, the ball into the box, header, I think it went just wide and we just didn't learn. Um, So, yeah, it's always tough when you lose late on, um, you know, last kick kind kind of thing, but you know, at that point, it was still pre-Christmas. It was just about halfway through the season. There's a lot of football left to be played and still is now, what, four or five games later. So 
that that one result was never going to um, shape what, what what happened to our season. And I think if you look at the form table now, actually both teams are in and around the top four or five in terms of the last six games or so. So, yeah, it's not it's not broken anything. It was annoying, but we ended up following it up with a late win against Cambridge. So, mm. you know, very quickly it turned itself on its head. Yeah, I was going to say that. How important was that um, for you at Cambridge? Because you go behind there as well and you're thinking, you know, how, how's it going to be? Des Buckingham still trying to get his ideas across, but you've second half, you've knuckled down, you've turned it around. Um, Kieran Brown, I think it was, he scored 95th minute winner for you. And you just, like you just said, I had exactly the, the opposite emotions to that. And you've, you've managed to grind out a win. How important was that for your season and for Des Buckingham? Yeah, I think it was big, especially for Des Buckingham, because as we all know in football now, fans are very short-termist and there were some questions being asked um, after after losing late on, obviously, at Sixfields. But I think a late, it's, it's funny because I'm just looking at our results while I'm talking and we'll go on to but the next game we then managed to throw away. So as a team, we're all over the place at the minute. It's kind of win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Um, at the time, the Cambridge game, obviously on Boxing Day, um, big crowd, um, late winner. You kind of get all the the scenes as it, as they get called now, and the players piling on each other. And you know, there's some really good photos of fan moments from that game. And I think it was very crucial to get over the Northampton loss as quick as possible. And you know, doing it the next match um, was vital in that sense. Um, so yeah, we're, I think those two games, and you know, even the games we've played since. We just seem to struggle to get back-to-back wins together, um, but you know, there's still sign. I think to be fair, there's been signs in all of the games about the Buckingham way kind of evolving slowly, and you know, with, with January now in in place and transfers in and out, um, I think it's just a continue continued kind of um, turning of the wheel to see to see where we can go this year. Yeah, you, you've followed it up with a three-two home defeat by Derby again you're 2-0 up in that game Derby obviously a good side they're doing well they're scoring goals at what point during that match just does it start to turn is that something that suddenly happens or was it, was it lucky how did that game go for, for that to turn so dramatically um, we we got off to a fantastic start we you know went out all guns blazing something that I've not seen us do well not at all this season prior to that game obviously got the 2-0 lead but to be fair to Derby, they weren't worthy of being 2-0 down. Um, I, actually, I actually live in Derby, so I get to see them fairly regularly. And this was probably the most Paul Warren-esque type performance I've seen in that they were just getting balls out wide, getting it in the box and kind of challenging. Mm. Um, and when they scored before half-time, I think everyone knew in the ground at that point. It was a really odd feeling, but everyone around me was you know, just saying, well, Derby will go on to win now. It was almost like there was a script being played out in front of us and whatever we did, we couldn't stop them. Everyone in the ground could feel it. The Derby fans had the belief and it was just... I've never been to a game like it or at least not as far as I can remember where it was just so obvious what was going to happen in front of me and it didn't matter what we changed, who came on, who came off. We just couldn't get a foothold back in that game and you know, Derby are absolutely flying at the moment, so... Again, when you look to summarise that one afterwards, you kind of go, okay, fair enough. They've lost one in 11 or whatever it is now. Um, you know, the size of the club, etc. They You'd expect them to be in and around the top two, which they're, they're pushing towards now. So, again, it's probably another one you take you take on its own merit. 
and go, okay, yeah, move on, move on to the next one. Yeah, and that was Charlton away, the next one. And again, this is New Year's Day. Again, you're a goal down and you're coming back to win 2-1. You must think when a goal goes in in your games, you must just be thinking, you know, it's not over yet. <laughs> it's yeah, from both sides of things. Well, this is the thing. And I think it's, it's you know, stress levels. Everyone has kind of GPS watches and stuff now, don't they? They can <laughs> yeah. read heart rate. I think the graphs of Oxford fans must be kind of all over the place, given given what we've seen. Um Charlton again was weird. We got off to quite a slow start, went 1-0 down, but actually came into that really well. Um, Des Buckingham mentioned earlier this week, actually, that that game is one of the only ones so far where he thought he saw his style throughout. Um, Really good goal to equalise. Mark Harris getting on the score sheet for the first time since September, I think it was, which is vital. And then... A, a late winner again, but from an unlikely source in Oshin Smith, who is a Northern Irish under-21 international or, or has been, came to us as a kind of defensive midfielder from Dungan and Swifts and hasn't really had a go of it, to be honest. He's been around the club a couple of seasons now um, and he's been forced into playing this kind of right-sided centre-back role um, due to injury and suspension. And he got the ball about 40 yards out, took a touch, knocked out of his feet, drove forward a little bit more and then pinged one in the top corner from 30 <laughs> yards and you kind of go, you know, fair enough. If that's if that's happening today, then we're, we're getting three points, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Is that something that Des Buckingham's encouraging, that kind of expression a little bit? Or is that just, was that just a one-off? Um, I think we are starting to see it. I mean, as a, as a club, we've kind of had, over the last few years, even under Carl Robinson, we've had centre-backs who want to drive forward with the ball um, they normally go and get signed by the clubs, um, Rob Dickey, Rob Atkinson, Luke McNally, mm. um, all good with ball at feet and encouraged to you know get involved and drive drive the play on. Um, I think for Smith to do it was you know caught everyone out. There's a there's a video of the Oxford fans where um, just as he lines it up to shoot, you hear someone talk about, well, he's supposed to be really good on Football Manager, but we've not seen it yet. <laughs> and it's that classic video where, as he says, yet yeah, the ball's just arching <laughs> under the keeper to go in um, so yeah I think that was just one of those it, it, very much like we said you know you, you you concede a late header to yourselves late on you kind of go oh, fair enough um, you get a late winner against Cambridge and you go okay lose it against Derby after being 2-0 up and then win from behind against Charlton it's, it's so topsy-turvy and it's arguably quite hard to take anything out of those games because they've all been decided on kind of a not a toy cost but um, they've not the last few minutes of each game hasn't particularly followed the, the full story of each game derby apart yeah um following that up I, i'm guessing i'm just that's the 6-2 at coventry the 2-0 at wimbledon of the trophy the coventry game obviously being the fa cup third round it, were they both just like shrugged them off was it you know just it happens and let's concentrate on the league or was it was coventry more of a something to dig into that you need to kind of look at it and worry about um i think coventry is probably one to be a bit more concerned about but equally our team had some forced changes on it so our, our number one goalkeeper didn't play in that game and has sub- subsequently been recalled mm-hmm. um, and sent back out on loan our captain was ill so there's quite a few changes in the team um but actually, it was probably quite beneficial for the club to see how far off the championship level we are, or at mm. least you know those top 
10 teams or so in the championship. I think that's, you know, a land well out of reach, even if we were to do something this year. Um, but I think, you know, we shrugged it off quite quickly. Des Buckingham freely said, you know, the trophy game against Wimbledon wasn't our priority. Um, made a few more changes, gave a few young lads some game time. There's a couple of debuts. Um, so, yeah, I think before before the Coventry game, especially everyone wanted a cup run and, you know, we thought we had a little bit of a chance maybe to cause an upset. Um, I know the night before their owner came out and said that Coventry haven't had a good cup run for years, so this is this is the time. So I think they were quite fired up for it and we you know, got caught cold. Um, and then, yeah, the Wimbledon Trophy game. We, we said before, the trophy is such a strange competition that no one really cares until the last stages. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So you always kind of shrug it off the next day when you've gone out. But um, yeah, I think it was a good one to get out of the system and, and rest a few players as well, actually. Mm. Um, so f- finishing off the last weekend's 3-1 at Carlisle, really good win, went 3-0 up, um, conceded a what was nothing more than consolation late on up at Carlisle, a really difficult place to go to a lot of the time, especially where they're rebuilding as they are. Um, really good win for you, back on track. It's back-to-back wins in the league. I know you said you haven't had many back-to-back results, but if you take the two cup results out of it, that's two really good away results in the league to build upon. And, and you're right back in that mix at the top. You're, you're not that far off the top two either. Um, but really positive signs at Carlisle last weekend. Does that feel like more it's it's starting to come together now? Yeah, I think so. Um, so Mark Harris got himself on the score shoot twice. So he's gone from not scoring since September to scoring, I think it's four in three games now. Um and that's massive because you need a, a striker that scores goals. So, you know, if if he's started picking up again, that's great news. And I think we yeah we started to see more of the the Buckingham style come into that Carlisle game. Um, scored a cut again, scored a couple of really good goals. Looked pretty solid, really. Um, obviously, Carlisle got the what turned out to be a consolation, but kind of threw the kitchen sink at us for ten minutes or so. But um, generally didn't really create anything else. There's one late chance where our, our new keeper pulled off a good save. But yeah, I think, like I say, every game you start to see a little bit more of how Des Buckingham wants us to play um, and, and the tweaks, as I called it last time, that, that he's slowly implementing. And, you know, with, what, two weeks of the window left, um, you'd assume there'll be a couple more additions to come to kind of boost to that as well. Yeah, what, what do you think he's learned in the last month since his played at six it was high since he took um took you to six fields but Buckingham I think it's about treating I mean it's such a it's a cliche to say but it really is treat every game in this league on its own. Um there's so many teams in this league that I don't think are that far apart actually. Yeah. Um I know you know the league table is you know ultimately how how teams are measured after 46 games, but Carlisle didn't look like a bottom four side last week. I know they've got a few um, new signings in the mix and, you know, that that might do them well. Um, I think he's just learning to take every game on its own right. He, he He's not afraid to tweak things in game, so he's made quite a few half-time subs over all these games. I think he's just constantly learning in game as well as, mm. um, you know, on a training pitch. And I think this week following the Carlisle game into the game on Saturday is probably only about the third clear week we've had since he's taken over. So, you know, there'll be more time to get them on the training pitch. Um, I know there's 
suggestions we're about to make a new striker signing as well. So I think it's been a busy week for, for him and the club. Um, I think he's admitted himself, you know, he's he's come in with a lot to learn about EFL in terms of being the top man. Um, and it was always going to take a bit of time to kind of get on a roll. Yeah, I guess for you, there's almost was a little bit of time because of your league places and because, I mean, anything from from eighth, I want to say ninth, but eighth downwards is is not really catching you at the minute. And so you've got that kind of position in the playoffs. You've also got the top two starting to wobble a little bit. And so you've he's almost bought himself a little bit of time and every win's keeping you up there and keeping the, the pressure on that top two. And does it, does it feel like now there's a chance now to really push on because Portsmouth are starting to show real signs of, of dropping dropping down. I know they've got a really good lead, but from where they were, there's murmurings there already. There's there's fans kind of starting to really get concerned that their annual wobble is going to happen. They've got most teams have got a game in hand on them, if if not all of them behind them. Do you feel like one of them that's in the pack and you're ready to, to go for the top two or, or is it still a case of, you know, let's just see how it goes and, and build at the minute? I think it is just seeing how it goes, to be honest, because we've been on this kind of win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and then won our last two, which is, you know, not not horrendous form. I think it's just looking at the form table here. We're, we're the fifth fifth best form in over the last six. Mm. But then three of the sides above us happen to be Derby, Barnsley and Peterborough, who are all in the mix as well. So as much as we keep kind of, you know, not clinging on to the, the tailcoats of those above us, they keep winning. And actually, I think it's Portsmouth who, as you say, they're, they're, they're the ones who've had the, the massive blip. So it's quite a funny one to look at because it doesn't feel like we're, in our own performances, are gaining ground on the top the top team. But then you look at the table and you suddenly go, blimey, it's four points between sixth and first. As you say, we've got a game in hand on Portsmouth. We've still got to play them twice. Mm. So when you start painting it that way, I think you can get very excited um, we play Barnsley next uh, week on Tuesday, I think it is. Then there's another rearranged game. You know, the games are coming so fast. Um, Bolton have about 300 games to catch up on. <laughs> this is the problem with with League One because of the international breaks now, meaning that so many fixtures get called off. It's always quite hard to see what the table really is until everyone's caught up games. So. Yeah. I think it's just look after your own business and worry about what everyone else is doing, you know, kind of in those last five to 10 games when the table's evened itself out in terms of the matches played, Colin. Yeah, it almost feels now that, that League One needs to be one of those. It's just the blanket postponement throughout well, when an international break happens because there's so many on loan, I think, for a lot of the time. A lot of players from the from the top leagues who are internationals come down on loan to League One more and more now. But it almost feels like you've got to just, just postpone them all, give them all a break and we can look at it a bit more evenly because it's so squiff at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, and, and obviously with the FA Cup and you know weather this time of year, you always lose a couple of games anyway. So, yeah, I think to the point on internationals, I think, is it four breaks during the season? So there's Something potentially like that, yeah. clubs who get all four games postponed. So it mm. just makes it so uneven. Like I said, Bolton have what, played 24 after you know a month into the new year, which seems... Crazy, so I'd agree with you. I'd I'd be tempted just to don't schedule a fixture on international weekend. Get it in the as a midweek early, um, and yeah, keep 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 the league consistent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Going to take a quick break. We'll be back after these ads with more from Jack. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. We're still here with Jack from Tamana Podcast. Um, Jack, a lot of cha- lots changed in a month. I was going to start dipping into transfer window business. Um, lots of ins and outs already for you. And so much would have changed from your starting lineup back then, even a month ago, than it, is, than it has now. A couple of recalls. Sonny Perkins recalled by Leeds. I don't think that's a massive deal. Is it six appearances for you recalled? Potentially, is that just because he's just not been playing? Yeah, very strange situation, that one. Um, he was only a man in signing, supposed to be a season-long loan. They'd, they'd worked together before at West Ham and that seemed to seal the deal. But then Manning didn't play him. Craig Short's caretaker didn't play him. Des Buckingham threw him on for five minutes against Cheltenham in his first game and then he didn't make a squad again. Um, so, yeah, no surprise he's gone back. Um, unfortunately for him, he played a minute for Leeds at the start of the season, so he can't go out and play for anyone else because of the two club rule, mm. which just seems ridiculous. But um, yeah, that uh, strange signing, as, as it turned out, very high, highly rated young striker, but just didn't get a look in for whatever reason. Mm. Um, Stanley Mills as well, probably a bit more impactful, recalled by Everton. That's down to injury, isn't it? He's got injured, so he's going to be out for, the, for most of the season anyway, so that's that's a pretty big blow for you as well yeah it's a big shame as well because as a young lad he'd, he'd really even in the I don't know, 20 games he played for us he really seen the how, how he developed from being a kind of under 21 Premier League 2 footballer to mm. a um, you know man's game um, scored a couple of good goals I got a few assists he, he's starting to look really bright and look, look a lot more consistent Um and yeah, got injured in the cup at Coventry, just trying to have a shot, and his knee gave way basically. So he's out for um, the long term. So yeah, again, you know, it makes sense for him to go back to Everton and do his recovery there. Um, he'll be a big loss, and you know, that's an area we need to recruit in for the rest of the window. Yeah, um, James Beadle as well. We touched on the earlier goalkeeper. This is going to send shivers down Cobblers fans' spines when I say it was recalled by Brighton and sent on loan to Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship because obviously we've got Mark Leonard sat here from Brighton who we're all thinking, lock him away for January, just don't let him out. <laughs> um, because it's, it seems to be happening so much this season. We've just benefited from it ourselves with a, with a goalkeeper coming in who was on loan at Rochdale and they want him to, you know, his parent club want, to, want him to play at a higher level, so he's, he's come to us. But there's always that fear, isn't there, that especially now, that it, it it almost feels like there needs to be some sort of agreement in place. When you get a year-long loan, it's a year-long loan and not just six months because that's 
that tends to be the case with a lot of them at the moment. And, and Beadle, um, for you guys, was having a really good season and suddenly has been has been shipped away again. Yeah, I had a bit of a Twitter debate with various people on season-long loans because um, my point has always been if a club's happy to loan a player out in July and August and say it's for the season, why do they then look to enact that recall clause yeah. in January? Yeah, yes, exactly. I know they put it in and everyone knows what could happen. But if you're always going to reassess in January, why not just agree half-season loans till the 1st of January and use the window as that? negotiation time to renew it um i was looking earlier i think there's some stats about 50 players have been recalled from the efl and over half of them have been loaned back out again to higher division clubs yeah. and they were all on season long loans so it just it's hard for you know clubs in our division to kind of plan a little bit because you've got to have plan a is you have them for the season plan b is what if they do get recalled um what's our kind of recruitment process after that I know a couple of players have been recalled and sent back to the same team again. So yeah. I think the loan market is very um it's very favourable to the bigger clubs who have, you know, twenty-five players they want to loan out, etc. Um so yeah, Beadle going back was a big loss. I think I think I said on the, the pod before, he I think he will play for England. He looks a very, very, very bright prospect. But luckily we've been able to um replace him with Jamie Cumming, who's mm. I think he's 24, played 100-odd games at this level and below in various loan spells from Chelsea. So, actually, if we were going to go out and get a replacement, he's probably one of the best that we could have got, to be honest. Yeah, he comes really recommended, doesn't he? Jamie Cumming is is one of these that his name's been about for ages, like you say, but he's still only young. You forget how young he is with the amount of experience he's got in the league. So, it does feel like with a goalkeeper as well that it's a position that you can replace, not easily, but it's if you get a good one in there, then it, it's job done. Whether whereas if you've got a twenty goal striker, then it's really it's difficult to replace that output, isn't it? But if you can get a, a solid, reliable keeper in there, then no, it's fair enough. And Jamie Cumming, I think he, he seems to be a really good one for you. So so really good signing for him. Made his debut last week, didn't he? Yeah, and I think he he, he fits the Buckingham style as well mm. as he's, he's confident with the ball at feet. Um, He's that kind of modern goalkeeper, as the term gets thrown about. So yeah, I think he should slide seamlessly, and I think can you know um, hit hit the ground running. Yeah, and rumours as of I mean, by the time you listen to this, this rumour might become a reality. But Will Goodwin from Cheltenham, subject of a six-figure bid from from you this week, could be in by the weekend. Is that something that's that's close to happening, close to being done? Yeah. So as of. I don't know, an hour ago, um, the Cheltenham journalist, John Palmer, who seems to be pretty on the ball, um, is reporting it as done. Um, he was due to be having his medical this afternoon. Um, it's one that's kind of happened quite quickly. There was rumours that we might be interested um, and then it seemed that he was going to Cheltenham because a bid had gone in and then suddenly it came out that we'd put a bid in and I think there's been a bit of back and forth in um, between clubs and, and agents and all the rest of it. But yeah, it seems that we've um, almost got that one over the line. So I'd imagine, yeah, he'll go straight into the squad for Saturday. And we've been screaming out for another striker all season. Um, he seems to have picked up a bit at Cheltenham and I think he's still only 21. So for us to be paying a six-figure fee, rumoured to be kind of north of 300,000, um, is pretty unheard of for us, actually. So I think the... the the recruitment team have done their kind of churning of the numbers and the data and they, they see something there. Um, 
Oh, not to be fair, we know we've had a bit of a pot of money sat around for a striker as there's various bids for Jack Marriott over the summer. Mm. Um, but I didn't expect us to be using it kind of this early in the window because permanent transfers normally seem to happen later in the window after a bit of kind of auctions taken place. Um, but yeah, I think he'll he'll bring something different to the squad. He's a bit more of a uh, a unit, probably the word, a bit more physical. Um, perhaps give us that option to, to mix it up a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to be a good addition and to get it done or almost done as it seems this early in the window um, is a big tick. Yeah, I think missing out on Marriott from what I saw him for Fleetwood, I know there's there's rumours about how happy he is or not, but I just didn't see anything in him. And I, it feels like he's not your type of striker or your type of signing at the minute. That kind of profile of player, I don't feel like would have fit in this system and your last system as well as maybe someone like Goodwin might do. Yeah, and I think um noticed a few people on Twitter say George Ellett from Not the Top Twenty said if we were going to be spending that kind of money on a striker, I'd much rather it was on a younger striker who's potentially got resale value yeah. than someone like Marriott who's, you know, approaching the kind of final few seasons of his career. Whereas Goodwin, if he's any any good, pardon the pun, <laughs> um for us over the next, you know, season and a half, then we could be selling him on for, you know, a good profit. So, yeah, I think you're always looking for improvements to to not only come in and make an impact, but you are thinking of what do they go on to next and how can that benefit us as well. Yeah, yeah. So that one could be done by the time you listen to this. Um, we've gone through some of the transfer window activity that you've done since then. So a lot has changed. What any other differences that you expect to see from from yourselves tactically, personnel wise, coming into this one? Um. I think really it's a it's a case of incorporating these new signings. The the other one we've done is Tyler Bury as well on loan from Adense in in Denmark, who mm-hmm. we almost signed in the summer, but for whatever reason he he chose to go out to Denmark. Um, so I suppose he's probably the Stan Mills replacement. Really, as a kind of tricky, pacey winger, which I think probably highlights how how Des Buckingham wants to play. It's get the ball wide, get your attacking players involved as early as you can. Um, yeah, you've still got the likes of Ruben Rodriguez, Cameron Brannigan in and around it. So there's a good um good kind of second half of the season template laid out now. And I think, you know, adding a more direct striker if we've got wingers, crosses in the box, etc., um, will be really useful for us. And I think it's just about trying to kick on now, as as hard as that ever is in this league, because games come so thick and fast. Um I think it's just about, yeah, gelling these new players in quickly and keeping ourselves in the hunt because like you say, other teams will drop points, are dropping points. Um, and I think if we keep ourselves in the mix, you know, you never know what might happen at the back end. Yeah, definitely. Um, talk, talk about the match itself then on Saturday, a little bit more team news, injury suspensions. I noticed that Greg Lee came back last week. He had a really good start to the season at, from left back, just powering forward. One of the top scorers at one point, I think it was in the league, scored five <laughs> five times before getting injured. Um, obviously, he gives you a load more um, flexibility at left back and, and a full back powering forward and being that dangerous in the box. Do you think he's going to start on Saturday? Can you see him getting right back into it? Um, Potentially. They're saying that Joe Bennett um, who we signed on a short-term deal that's now been extended, um, has been really solid. I think he's a bit of a different player to Lee. As you say, Lee's much more attacking. Um, he got 25 minutes or so at the weekend. So, uh, you know, he, he could be in the mix. Or it might be, again, with the five subs, you can kind of 
not pre-plan a sub as such, but you know, he might well get half an hour. Um, though being at home, we might want to go a bit more attacking, so he could start. I think equally, we've this week back in training should be Josh Murphy, Sam Long, <laughs> Stefan Negru. So our our injury list that was massive over the kind of Christmas period is slowly. Um, but slowly and suddenly coming to be much shorter and it's really only Marcus Brown and Carl Edwards who are out um, for any long long amount of time now so it's nice to ha- to be able to have options again if you look at the squad now there probably is if especially if Goodwin comes in and that gets completed there really is kind of two players for every position um, which you know as you enter the second half of the season you, you want that to be the case Um so yeah, whether Lee comes back in, I'm not sure. Goodwin probably be on the bench if he does sign. Sam Long probably back on the bench, but yeah, it'll be good to have numbers again. Yeah, I was going to talk about your left hand side because if you if Lee does, it might be you know Buckingham might have looked at the last game and thought you know I'm going to throw Lee back in if Murphy's fit. I can see him getting thrown in because Murphy in that first half against us in December was tearing poor old Aaron, Aaron McGowan a new one down the left-hand side. And I was just like, it's going to come from that side. It was, it was beating him every time. Poor old Aaron was having a torrid time. And then Murphy got taken off. Was that when he got injured? Because was that the start of that? Because it feels like he was one of the players who was going to make something happen for you. And he suddenly got pulled off at half-time and we're like, oh, happy days. Yeah, so he yeah, he's not been seen again since coming off at half time at Sixfield. So um he that's kind of the story of his Oxford career to be fair, is it's been a very stop start. Um I think he's kind of constantly managing a, a slight hamstring issue. Um and when that flares up he has to miss a few games. Um I think to be fair, uh, Tyler Bure is probably ahead of him in terms of as he's been in the club couple of weeks now and what is it kind of fitter in that sense um he he could well start if, if des looks at what happened um in the away game and thinks he wants more of the same because tyler bureau is really quick and tricky as well um so yeah it's quite nice to be able to ponder what selection it might be because the last couple of games it's been very much you knew which the 11 was going to be just based on availability yeah um I feel like it's going to be another. I mean, I hope it's going to be a close game. But what what are you expecting from it? Because it it felt like there was two two games over Christmas. Those yourselves and Stevenage. Who we got exactly what we thought we might get. We got a lot of space against you to play our game. Stevenage completely bullied us off the ball and didn't give us a shout at, at all. Um, I'd imagine you've learned a lot from from the first game and learned not to give us as much space to attack. Obviously, it's a home game for you. Is it basically, let's build on your last two wins and we expect to win from this one? It's definitely a case of build on the last two. I think as a home game, generally, we're a bit more kind of on the front foot and attacking, maybe less of the kind of slotting it around the back four and back five. I think, again, I think I said this on the on the preview show for the, for the re- reverse fixture that People are guilty of looking at the teams that came up from League Two and think, regardless of what they've done during the season, thinking, "Oh, that's that's a that's a must win, not a must win, but that's a will win." Mm. Whereas, you know, we've we've talked about the form table already. You're, you've only got one less point over the last six than us. Like this is probably one of our tougher home games um, that we'll have for, for for a while in terms of a team in form, and you know. I said it before, kind of unexpectedly being in the hunt. I don't think the playoff last spot's gone at all. I think um, we've seen how League One works. There's always a team that puts a good run together in that final stage. Um, 
That being said, I really hope we come out almost like we did against Derby, kind of very much on the front foot, looking to get an early goal. Um, although that doesn't mean a lot given the amount of late goals that happen in our games. But um, yeah, I think given the run of fixtures we've got coming up, we've got Barnsley coming up, we've got um, Portsmouth in the not-too-distant future, Reading, Bristol Rovers, there's a lot of big games. And to be able to put a third win in a row on the, on the board, but also kind of looking at it as a start of five or six big games, um, you know, you want to win your home games at the end of the day. So you would hope that we would go out to do that. It feels like exciting time for you, exciting second half of the season, for sure. There's that block of eight teams that are really going for the top six. So if it's six from eight to either go up or, or get playoffs, you should be okay, I think, from what from what I've seen of teams. Um, asked you this before, might be a different answer this, this time out. If you were John Brady before the game, giving the Cobblers team talk, are you saying anything different or just go and do exactly the same as you did in the first game and try and play your game against this Oxford side? Yeah, I don't think why he'd want to complicate it too much. Um, you guys do what you do well. Why concentrate too much on the opposition? I think you'll have seen our kind of slight frailty from set pieces, so maybe there'll be a bit more focus on getting the ball into the box um, to kind of put pressure on a little bit, test our new goalkeeper, that kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, you know, you guys have won... Uh, what is it? Three from the last five, or four from the last six, whatever it is. So you're full of confidence. So I, I fully expect for you to come and have a little bit of a go. I think some teams would probably come and try and frustrate a little bit more. We we do see that a lot at home. Um, but you know you're on you're on to a good thing at the moment. So I wouldn't expect John Brady to sit there and completely rip up his game plan just because you know you come into a top six side kind of thing. Um, I th- again, I think it'd be a pretty good game because I think we we will look to attack. Um, and it might be a little bit of you know who who blinks first kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely think we'll be, we'll come out and play in exactly the same way. We've we've bought ourselves a little bit of time in the position we are. I don't think anybody's realistically looking at the playoffs, so I think it's one that we can go and go and enjoy and go and have a go at again because we've we've had results at the at the likes of Blackpool and away at Lincoln and and places like that where we've we've gone and just played our game and attacked it. And it's been really entertaining. So I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, where should we be eating, drinking before the game, before we make the trip to Kazam? Is that is the is the pub still open next to the ground? Is that or is that just home fans now? No, it's uh, the desolateness of the Kazam <laughs> building by the day. So there's a there's a sports bar in the 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 complex. So obviously you've got the bowling alley downstairs, but there is a sports bar upstairs that tends to let away fans in if they don't think there's gonna be any issues. Um there's a cra- crazy golf place serves beer, but that's about as exciting as it gets, <laughs> nice. really. Um, yeah, yeah, it's as I, I I couldn't imagine doing it as an away day. Um, it's not one of the most appealing in the league, definitely, which is a shame considering what a nice city Oxford is that mm. we're situated so far from the city centre itself. But I mean, generally, even as a as a home fan, when I go down, I tend to stay. Uh, central Oxford and again get the bus out and kind of walk, roll, waltz into the ground about 10 to 3 um, there's definitely a lot more going on in the city centre than there is around the ground mm. Any recommendations in the city centre if Cobblers fans are rocking up in town? Uh, if you like your yeah, historic pubs there's the Turf Tavern um, that's kind of featured on the Inspector Moore series um, that we were on ITV for many years and just having a little waltz around Oxford really obviously quite a famous city and Historical for the university, etc. 
Um, and there's plenty of choice in the centre, to be fair. You can't really go wrong. Nice. If not, then crazy golf. I think that's, that sounds good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <If> <laughs> we, we're going to take our patrons on a, on a crazy golf, uh, sort of indoor crazy golf away, you know, a, a night out kind of thing yeah, uh, yeah. for the for the Shrewsbury game, but the place closed down. So maybe we shouldn't book that just in, in fear of it closing. Um, <laughs> just, what, what, last thing, when you mentioned your round, are you any closer to moving? What's, what's the kind of latest than that? Because I saw a while ago that it's it's almost certain that you're going to be moving fairly soon from the Kazam. Yeah, so the the plan was that the planning application should have gone in the back end of last year. However, the club put a statement out last week because it had gone a little bit quiet, basically saying there's a delay um, and the the local radio sports editor seems to think that that's around kind of traffic flow and do they put a bridge in or do they just shut the road kind of pre and post match. Um, so the I think they haven't put a new timestamp on it, but the, the hope is that the planning application goes in in the next few weeks, um, what, whatever that kind of means. But the the time is ticking because the, the lease at the Kassam runs out in 2026. So mm. you don't have to be good at maths to work out. That's not very long um, yeah. to get planning application approved and the, and the thing built. Um, so I think there's a little bit of uh, concern amongst the fan base that yeah. you know, even if it does get approved, what what could happen in the the kind of in between stage? In interim, yeah, is is like the fear of sharing and ground sharing with someone like a well, yeah, or, or yeah, where ultimately mm. because um, obviously Oxford City are in the conference now, but their ground would need a hell of a lot of work to make it football league standard. Mm. You never want to share with kind of your closest neighbours, so you yeah. wouldn't even consider Swindon. Obviously, mm. Reading, who knows what might be happening there, but you wouldn't yeah. go there anyway. Wickham, no, probably not. I mean, yourselves aren't that far down the road, and you've obviously had Coventry there before. You then go, well, MK aren't that far, but that would be, you know, horrendous, really. So <laughs> I'm sure the club has got a plan B, but it's not kind of a, a public one. Yeah. Nice. No, well, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, all the best for the rest of the season, Jack. I, I don't think we'll play you again now. <laughs> we seems to be playing each other yeah. a fair bit, but I don't think there's any more on the horizon. Um, but anything you want to plug before you go? Do you want to plug your podcast, everything like that? Yeah, yeah. So we're um, Tutmana Podcast and we're, we're all uh, once exiled in Yorkshire or still exiled in Yorkshire, depending on which of us it is. Um, we don't really have a regular pod routine anymore because, you know, life life takes takes over sometimes but we tend to do a couple of months um and we can either be the most pessimistic or the most optimistic and <laughs> you know it really depends what's happening on the pitch i think we're we probably say we're proudly fickle football fans really um i think everyone is at heart so yeah yeah we're on twitter and all the usual podcast apps nice do go and check that out jack thank you so much for joining us really really pleasure to speak with you all the best for the rest of the season and yourselves thank you Nice one. Um, good luck to the Cobblers this weekend as ever. Um, NTFC women also in action again this weekend. Uh, got Brackley Town in the County Cup this weekend. That's 2pm on Sunday at Fernie Field. So do get on down there to show them your support if you can. It was a really good game last weekend. Really got it to lose against Loughborough. But um, hopefully the Brackley game can give us a fair few goals and a bit of a bit of a boost to the season. So do get on down there. Fernie Fields, 2pm on Sunday. And we'll be back on the pod on Tuesday as ever with all of our reaction to those games. We'll see you then.
Social Podcast Network.